Hello, dear listener, and welcome to Little Realms, a Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. I'm your host and game master, Candace, and I am here with... My name is Sarah, and I play Ben. The windblown and windswept tiefling. My name is Dan, and I play Cyrus Sassafras, the elderly but still kicking druid. Um, I'm playing Nikki as Jarell Goldenheel, the secretive elven scholar. And I'm Adam, and I'm playing Arden, the wandering half elven ranger. And. These four are navigating the city of Mithrin, trying to uncover the city's secrets as well as their own. Last time on Little Realms. I am always keen on acquainting myself with my surroundings. Forest or city, it doesn't matter. Vim accompanied me in surveying the city, learning more about the tent city located on the outskirts of town and inspecting the mines that lay further beyond. Much of this city is as the rumors indicate, but Mithrin is not without life or charm. I saw that in the people who live outside of town, but even more important is what I saw in those mines, an untapped avenue for business. When I return to the mines, I must remember to give the Vardos I saw in the tent city a wide berth. Have you ever pondered the nature of your existence? or contemplated what it takes to gain the approval of a god? What about making your god smile? I thought not. Otherwise, I would have seen you at the Coriander's kiss last night. I suspect that's why I saw Theo, lumberjack of my heart. I knew he was into me. Whoever said academia was boring has clearly never gathered, prepared, and then taken psionic vision-inducing tinctures by their own hand. What you call drugs, I call research. So when last we left off, uh, Jarell had once again snuck out of Journey's End Inn uh, fairly easily as Arden has to sleep. Cyrus is not there. Cyrus is at Coriander's Kiss. And Vim is in her Vardo outside of the inn. What I needed to retcon in for last time, it's not really retroactive continuity Jorel had also asked about the mine to which she says ah yes the mine uh, I don't know if I ever mentioned this in a letter but the mine is the reason I was called out here they wanted me to take a look go deep see clear out the mine if there was anything to be found there, make sure it was safe, close off the areas that were not. Um, I was actually the one that discovered the dragon spit, as it were, okay. back in the mine. Um, so if you wanted to ask any follow-up questions about that, you can do so. I think Jarell might at some point kind of like stashes that for later but it's very eager to get on with this experiment she has you 
boil some stuff, distill some stuff, keep a fire at a very specific temperature underneath one of the vials. And at the end of it, you have this like uh, postage stamp sized off-white paste that she says that this is a substance that when you take it, it opens your mind. It is not pleasant, but this will be part of learning psionics, should you wish to continue. And then I think Jarell just popped it straight into their mouth. I think Jarell first was like, got some <laughs> pen, like got pencils and papers ready because they're going to take notes about this experience. And, um, and <laughs> I don't really know. It does seem like this could be a, a somewhat taxing, um, you know, little yes. experiment. Uh, if I seem to be at a point where I'm not very good at taking my notes, but I start talking, could you please take dictation? <laughs> Yes, of course, Jorel. <laughs> she laughs a little. I think something. I think Jorel is kind of getting the impression that this is less maybe a step toward really figuring anything out. Of, the, of course, although they're still going to take notes, Natch, mm -hmm. um, and more that they think N is kind of testing them. Like they think maybe N thinks they don't have that. Maybe this is a kind of be sort of a difficult. Um, path of inquiry and they think they that maybe N feels like they need to sort of prove that um, that they can handle it. And so that's kind of how they're approaching this, I think. Alrighty. So you get everything together and says I will also uh, not leave you unless you want me to. Oh yes, that would be lovely. <laughs> yes. Uh, and Jarell takes the paste. Yeah. Alright. Uh, it doesn't taste very good, but it doesn't taste like bad either. It tastes kind of like burnt chalk, uh, and it dissolves very quickly. Uh, make a constitution save. 18. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so... I'm going to tell this to you mechanically and then, like, what you feel. Mm -hmm. um, when this dissolve finishes dissolving in Jarell's mouth, it feels as though your immediate surroundings drop away, like, out of Jarell's immediate consciousness. And Jarrell is suddenly aware of the people in the buildings, like directly around N's little house. You can hear their surface level thoughts, whether they're dreaming or awake. Oh, I'm starving. I just take back what I did. I love you. I fucking hate my boss. Oh my god. Bye. You want me gone? But you have very little control over what you're hearing. So what it kind of sounds like directly into your skull is about five to seven people all talking, whispering, yelling at once. Hey, 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 hey. 
but your ears aren't the thing processing it. It's your brain. And what that constitution save meant uh, is that this will only last for a couple hours, but you've managed to uh, like condense the effect into a very short amount of time. So you're hearing these thoughts very, very clearly and very, very loud. Okay. And N's voice cuts through the cacophony a little, just barely enough and says, can you hear all those thoughts around you? Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Then let's go for a walk. Wait, uh, I want to know, Jarell. To what extent can Jarell sort of tell things like how far away they are, or, um, like, like to to what extent can they like you know identify a specific like can I focus on N for instance and kind of try to hone in on her a little bit, or like any given voice that I'm that they're hearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, make make a a wisdom check with advantage. Twenty-two. Okay. Are you focusing on N, or are you focusing on one of the voices outside of the house? Mm, I'll go ahead and focus on N, just since she's closest. Okay. Jarell turns their focus to N, and the other voices around you fade just a little. And you can tell that you're definitely focusing on N, but it's almost as though your consciousness is hitting some sort of mental wall and you can't actually hear any of N's thoughts. Are there other things other than thoughts that I'm kind of aware of? Like, am I getting senses of people's mood? Yeah, yeah. Where they are physically or anything like that? You're not getting so much of where they are physically, but you can get a sense of mood when you stop concentrating on N and like move your concentration to someone else around them. You can tell uh, if someone's asleep or awake. You can tell if they are asleep, if they're dreaming, and if it's a good dream or a bad dream. Okay. That sort of thing. And like, as an aside, Jarell rolled well enough that it's like you have a headache, but you've taken medicine for it. So you can tell like you, your head should be pounding and the pounding of your head is right behind this like thin veil painkiller, basically. A chronic headache is just part of academia, dear. <laughs> so N says, well, you, you seem to be doing quite well on this. I am pleased. Let us take a walk. And N takes your hand and leads you out. Oh, my notes. I'll just have to remember very well. And leads you out of her little two-room house. And as you walk down the street, she says, try to concentrate. Try to isolate one thought. Try to block out other thoughts. See what you can do. As a side question, is this affecting my other senses at all? Like, can I still, like, see where I'm going and stuff? You can still see where you're going, but it's a little dulled. It's like if you're, like, nearsighted and you're walking down the street, everything looks just a little bit blurry to you. 
but you but you know that it can't be because you have good vision and every time and talks you can hear her voice really loudly in your ears and presumably if you ran into anyone else and they talk to you you figure they would probably sound louder than normal as well oh i have a question um so from jarell's perspective how similar is this to their experience of casting detect thoughts like how does it feel like the same mechanism or does it feel very different qualitatively? It feels very, very much the same. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, Jarrell kind of reaches out mentally, I guess. And I guess, is there anyone out and about on the street or are we just sort of alone? I mean, it's like one in the morning, so. Yeah, where where you are is pretty deserted uh, because... N's place is closer to the tent city than it is to the rest of the Lower West Side. And N says, where do you want to go? I will lead you. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> this is not going the way I kind of expected it might. Um... You don't want to know what Ben dreams about. I'm disappointed in you. No, I think Jarrell channels their nosiness into bothering people. I think there's probably a level of, you know, their whole thing is that they study enchantment and kind of magic of the mind. And I feel like there would be a certain level of like, yes, we study this and we do this for science. Like we we do this on subjects, but like reading people's minds, especially very extensively, is maybe a little gauche, like a little... A little rude at best um and so they're kind of like this is very cool scientifically but uh <laughs> i don't know if they'd want to run into someone they know like this um okay uh, uh i think sarah was saying something oh sorry go on oh no it was nothing of import i was going to make a mind freak joke Come freak our minds. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, like maybe wandering sort of in, not not purposefully heading toward the end, but maybe lead, walking in that direction. Just kind of since it's familiar. Yeah, okay. Uh, so N starts leading you towards Market Square. Actually, I do know where I want to go. Okay. I want to go walk by the police precinct or whatever, <laughs> whatever the fantasy police precinct, <laughs> the, the police station. Yeah. Might as well get a little good old nosiness. And while I'm at it, you would know because someone, I think some minor person told you this before. No one's at the police precinct at night. Oh. All the people who work there sleep other places and you don't know exactly where that is. So we know there's a barrack. You do know where the barracks are. Hmm. In that case, let's go by. Let's let's swing by uh, the mansion where Lord in Chargy Face lives. <laughs> and the the girl and her priestess or whatever that gave us this little assignment with Liara's box. Can I walk by there, or is it like likely to be heavily guarded? No, it's not heavily guarded. Um. Two elves out for a perfectly innocent walk. 
So in the, the richer area, depending on who lives at each estate, sometimes we'll have personal guards. Okay. So you kind of take a, 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 a straight shot over to that area. As you're passing through Market Square, you do get the sense that there are a lot more people still awake out here. And at a couple points, and kind of has to drag you along because there are just too many voices going on. But you make it over to the richer district. You head up the road to the estate and you get about 50-ish feet away and you can hear everyone kind of in that general vicinity. Mm-hmm. There are two guards in front of the estate. One is asleep, one is awake. Uh, neither of them are Chakota, though. You kind of assume that you'd be able to pick out Chakota. <laughs> I feel like he would be mentally loud. You know, like, he's already kind of loud, but I feel like he's that person who's always kind of, like, singing Coco Cabana in his, in his head. Like, <laughs> uh, Roll another wisdom check, but this time just straight wisdom. 14. Okay. So you get kind of the general radius around you. Inside the estate, there is a consciousness that is asleep, and they are dreaming of being asked out on a date and then turning that date down because they have paperwork to do. Well, I'm sorry, Becky, but my hands are tied. I've got to file these reports. Someone is dreaming about endless dunes of sand, and you get a little bit of a sense of homesickness. And there's another consciousness that is awake, and their thoughts are very loud and very jumbled. And there's like two or three threads of thought going on at the same time. No, don't. I need it. Do it. But I shouldn't. And you would have to concentrate a little bit harder to pick out anything specific. Um, and when you cast detect thoughts, generally the subject can tell you're probing if you prod, what, more than a light brush? Is that the case in this state? It is not the case in this state. Ah. Jarell kind of pokes at that, yeah, wants to kind of focus in on that jumbled one. Roll a, a wisdom. Ugh, five. Shoot. You try to concentrate on that jumble of thoughts, um, and instead of getting clearer, it gets less clear. And in fact, it gets muddier and more confused and after a few moments you realize that you're having trouble keeping your own thoughts straight anymore and you kind of have to like shake your head and try really really hard to not hear what's going on sure um, I guess I focus on N a little bit. Not not like mentally, but kind of more just like kind of trying to separate myself a little from being able to sense all these people. And N squeezes your hand really tightly and like slaps your cheek a little bit. 
Thank you, Anne. Um, so you you said that kind of being exposed to to a psionic can can feel this way, or how do you mean? Because I certainly feel my own senses expanded, but there's no sense of you know connection with another being. Or is this more sort of the sense of what it's like to be a psionic? This is a very one-sided experience when you are connected to another entity in the sense that you are open now. Everything is magnified by double. Or if you are connected to more than one person, it is magnified by a amplitude of the number of people you are connected to. If you are connected to two people, it's double. Three people is triple. And so on. When you say connected to, do you mean when I focus on them? Or do you mean a, a more direct... If someone was open the you are now you would be able to connect to them and it is that connection that i am referring to is it a two-way connection in that case would someone be able to read my thoughts just as easily they would unless they concentrate on not letting you read thoughts so it seems that depending on the hmm, the attitude of the subject in question it could be a little bit more like sparring than like just a simple conversation. Yes, it is. When you are dealing with two minds directly connected, it is never as simple as a conversation. If you are concentrating, you will notice that you are getting feelings and images along with simple words and you can understand what someone, someone's meaning is even if they use incorrect words hmm. mechanically you know we had to do a fair amount of interesting alchemy to achieve this effect um it, it seems so very much like the magic i'm used to and yet by such a different process are there other things that i can do via these methods for instance this is very much like the tech thoughts is there a similar process by which I could expand, say, suggestion? Oh, there, there is a great number of things that we can do with this process, and we will get to them in time. In time. Jarrell is kind of like pulled a, a pen, an extra pen out of like a random pocket, and it's kind of writing on their arm, <laughs> since they don't have paper. <laughs> uh, as you are writing that Jarell picks up a another thought that has wandered or another consciousness that has wandered into your kind of radius of hearing and that thought it is a hurried and determined thought of getting from point A to point B and the points that you are able to understand is from someone's house to the tent city and you can also tell from kind of the surface level thoughts that this person is carrying something very important can I 
Uh, to what extent can I like sense someone's identity? Can I like poke harder and like know what their name is or something or like their sense of self? Make a wisdom check. Come on. Oh, for eight. You don't get much more than that, but you do get a mental image of the uh, brick street directly in front of you. And presumably if you saw where this, if you were able to see where this was, you'd be able to recognize it. Do I see the person actually running down the street in front of us? <laughs> no, you don't see them. Uh, roll a perception, actually. 19. Very, very faintly, you do hear soft, like very soft bootfalls somewhere in front of you. Coming towards us or away? They're somewhere where you can't see them, but they're heading away from you. <sighs> We're actually going to jump over to Cyrus real quick. Um, Cyrus, you had a good night. Mm-hmm. You just had a pretty good night. Like one of the better nights you've had in a while. But you had a lot to drink. And at some point in the night, wake up and Cyrus really has to pee. So I am just uh, getting up like, oh my god, my my head. I'm just fumbling, but trying to be quiet so I don't wake up uh, Theo. So I am <laughs> sneaking out. All right, one foot at a time. Come on, Cyrus. Look, that's, that's a desk. <laughs> All right, here we go. And I'm outside the door, and I'm wandering in the hallway looking for a bathroom. There's a sign, like, up at the end of the hall that has, like, a little uh, bedpan drawing on it, and then, like, an arrow towards the door. And it's, like, at the, the end of the hall. Roll me a perception check. Nat 20. So you are making your way down the hall. Doing a pee-pee dance. <laughs> doing the pee dance. And keep in mind, this is like happening at the same time that Sherelle is talking to Ed. Cyrus makes his way down the hallway, doing the, the pee dance as quiet as he can. And all of the rooms on this hallway are dark, except for one that just has a very faint light coming out from under the door. And this piques your interest because it's the middle of the night and yeah, you're at a brothel, but most people sleep eventually. Um, So as you are passing this door, you hear what seems to be the tail end of a hushed and rushed conversation. There's two voices. The first one says... Are you really going out again? Second voice. I am. There is nothing I can say or do to stop you. No. No, there's not. And then a heavy sigh. Be safe then. Always, my love. And then the the door starts that you're standing in front of starts to open. What do you do? I don't think Cyrus would give a shit. He's just going to stand there. 
did you bother putting on any clothing before? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty dark. That is, the the darkness is my, my shroud. Okay. <laughs> Legitimate. The important questions in life. The door opens, and there's two people standing in the room. One has black leather armor on and has a hood, like a hood pulled over their head and that what looks to be like a mouth part or like a bottom of the face part that hasn't been pulled up yet. And then further into the room is uh, another woman, a elf that looks to be of desert elf descent. Um, and she's wearing a silky night robe. And the one that's standing in the door, uh, dressed in the black leathers, pushes out of the room, closes the door behind her, and, like, drapes an arm around your shoulder and says, Oh, honey, you should go back to your room now. I am looking for the bathroom. Oh, the bathroom? It is right this way, my dear. And she, like, over your shoulders and is steering you down the hallway towards that door labeled the bathroom i'm i'm being steered but my head is turning around like what's going on here this doesn't seem like any sort of foreplay i've seen before what's your game love uh no that this is not foreplay unless you want it to be and at this point you've reached the end of the hallway and she like shoves you into the bedpan room and shuts the door after you and cyrus has the greatest sigh ever as he relieves himself. Okay, so you pee, you open the door, and she's gone. The light that was on in that room is also, um, so what do you want to do? Well, now that the urgency is gone, and Cyrus is a little bit more awake and still slightly drunk, he thinks it's a great idea to stumble into that room and do some, uh, poking around. Maybe he'll find some some toys, something that he can, I don't know, learn about what other people's fancies are. Poking around the room that uh, the woman came out of? Yeah. Okay, uh, so do you just, like, go to open the door? Just open the door, don't even knock. It's locked. Hmm. What would a drunk guy do? I love I, that his rationale is, wonder what other people's kinks are. I better go check it out. <laughs> I will. You know what? I think he's very thankful. He feels really good about how he just relieved all that pressure, and he wants to thank them. So I will knock on the door. <laughs> you knock on the door. And after a second, it opens. It's the, uh, the darker elven woman. She's kind of holding her close together and she says how may I help you? Are you the one who led me to the bathroom? Technically, no. That was my partner. Oh, let me let me come in and thank them. And then Cyrus just walk, waltz in. <laughs> so you just bluster in. Yep. You bluster in um, as she is saying, they're not here right now. They are taking care of... Where are they? Business elsewhere in the city. I almost did business in my pants. I need to give them a proper thanks. I I will give them your thanks in when she gets back. Uh, what What's your name? Your thanks, yes. My name is Cyrus. 
Cyrus. <laughs> Cyrus Sassafras. What? What's your name? My name is Nikita. Nikita, I had a lot of fun here tonight. Are you having fun in this place? I I really like the coriander's kiss. I, that is what I hear from many, many a patron. Uh, it is a boon to my partner's business sense. She has, like, blocked you off from going farther into the room. It's a very plain and simple room. And she says, I will give my partner your deepest thanks when she returns. Uh, let me help you back to your room. Can I do a pervy investigation check, just looking at the room, seeing if I see anything that I can, like, understand what happened in this room? <laughs> okay, go for it. That is a whopping ten. So, you try to dart away from her to try to, like, investigate the room a little bit more fully, but she seems to be one step ahead of you, and whenever you're about to, like, pull up the corner of the rug to look under it or, like, pull out a drawer, she's, like, there pushing, like, stamping on the rug to push it back down. What's this? Mm, what's your jam, Nikita? Sir. I'm an I'm an otter. What are you? I like I like bears. Sir, sir, I must ask that I must ask that you return to your room at this time. This is not my room. No, this is not your room, sir. I'm gonna find out your secret eventually, Nikita, or I'll forget you exist. Goodbye. <laughs> 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 and you exit the room. You hear the door close after you. Cyrus is feeling pretty good about himself right now. <laughs> what do you want to do now? I mean, I just drained my hose. I'm going to go back to bed. It's the middle of the night. Okay. You go back to bed. Theo wakes a little bit as you settle back in. But then, very quickly, since you are still drunk, you're snoozing again. Back to Jarrell. Does does Jarrell have any sense of how long this this effect is going to kind of stick around? Has Jarrell ever done any other drugs? Um, I think Jarrell probably smokes tobacco pretty regularly, but probably not drugs. Nothing any harder. Um, nerd. <laughs> uh, you would figure that it probably won't last. You'll probably be sober again easily by the morning. Um, yeah, I think just sort of out of curiosity, like, oh, there's someone out at night. That's kind of weird. Okay. Sort of like, not like quickly, but maybe sort of follows after the footsteps just to see what's up. You rolled high enough that you can head off in the, uh, what you know to be the direction of the footsteps. Roll another perception check for me. Nine. Uh, you lose the sound of the boot falls, but you haven't yet lost like concentration on the the consciousness. Okay. Try to decide how invested they would realistically be in this. Um, I like I'm very curious, but uh, hmm, yeah, probably not very. Oh, I want to know. Uh, yeah, I guess I just sort of drop it. So you reach 
that part of the cobblestone street, and you've lost the the hearing of the footfalls. Um, and as you're kind of waiting around, making your decision, a few minutes later, you lost that particular consciousness that you were concentrating on. Um, you're still getting, like, the houses and manors immediately around you. You realize that you have followed kind of between the the intersection of Market Square, the university, and the manor district mm-hmm. is where you've sort of found yourself. Do I notice any activity on the campus? Uh, no. It is the middle of the night. Sleeping. So many people do it. Such a waste of time. Ah. <sighs> Haha, if people didn't sleep so much, I wouldn't be able to sneak around so effectively. Um. <laughs> and, and kind of laughs at that, or she does laugh at that. Yeah, I don't want to drag this out too much. I kind of have no idea what yeah. to do. I'm like, okay, well, this is sure interesting and not where I expected this to go, so... No, this is great. I was like, is this going to be, like, some period of extended psychological torture? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Here's just a question, Sarah. Does Vim sleep all the way through the night i think she is uh up later than people think she is in her bar oh but after getting to sleep she's kind of out like a rock until the sun's up okay so go ahead and roll a perception check me or vim vim 11 Vim is getting ready for her nightly routine. Or rather, Vim is in the middle of arts and crafts time. She's uh, got like a little writing desk in mm-hmm. her bardo. You wouldn't know it from catching a glimpse because there's usually crap all over the place. It's kind of like <laughs> kind of like, you know, your desk where you've got like your bills piled up and yep. your figurines in one yep. corner and then your like dirty clothes on yep. the top. <laughs> That's basically her situation. But this evening she's cleared off all of that stuff and she has a bunch of like parchment paper and some ink kind of scattered about and she seems to be working on something. Okay. You're in the middle of arts and crafts time. And this is about like 2.30 in the morning you hear what is probably someone like leaving a bar farther into market square because you are outside and the vardo isn't that soundproof um yeah yeah it's not that soundproof and you would assume this is a person leaving a bar but they're either walking really quickly or in a they seem like they're in a hurry to leave the bar from the footsteps that you're hearing. So Vim is at her little desk and she's she's working on something. She's hunched over. She has absolutely no perception of what time it is. She's just really into this. There's kind of like ink all over ha- all over her hands and not on her clothes though. Not on her clothes. She would <laughs> never be so uh, uncautious. Mm-hmm. But when the the bootstep falls outside of her outside of her uh, bardo she kind of jumps for a second and her hand mm-hmm. kind of swings and one of the ink pots goes everywhere and she goes ah oh, this is... all right um what who is going who is up at this hour and oh they're just this is why we need a neighborhood watch and then she uh... <laughs> <laughs> so she's just muttering to herself 
and Hervardo does have, you know, little windows. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, cute oval um, or triangular shaped uh, windows all over the place. Yeah. So she'll lean over to one that's kind of over the writing desk and is facing where she heard the footsteps and part the, like, suede and velvet curtains <laughs> to see what she can see. So, like, on the other side of Market Square, you have to, like, squint. Vim has to, like, squint and look really hard and, uh, like, do the thing where you block out the extra light so that your eyes adjust to the low light outside. But you can see the far end of Market Square. There are two figures in an alley talking to a third figure. And then after a few moments, it seems like the conversation has finished and the third figure dashes off down an alley and the other two also part ways and go into different directions deeper into the city. Can I roll a intelligence check or something to see if I, I can recognize or make out? I think it's important to note Vim does have dark vision. So oh, she can, yeah. She can see okay, not great, but she can she can see better than most. Like an intelligence check or something to see if I can remember um, if, if these look familiar based on hanging out around the town the last couple days. Yeah, definitely. Roll, yeah, intelligence. 15. Okay. The first two figures... You probably wouldn't recognize them individually, but one is much larger than the other, and and the other is quite small in comparison. The third figure you don't recognize by size, but they are in between the the first two. Pim's face kind of lights up for a moment, and then she kind of looks around at all of her stuff and tries to take stock of kind of where her things are and is able to locate her kind of stodgy gray knit cap that has, it's like the ski beanie with the two holes cut out in it for Mm -hmm. her horns. And uh, (laughs) she reaches for it and then very slowly lowers it over her horns and kind of like puts it on her head and without putting on any other clothes. So she's wearing like silk jammies and... uh, (laughs) She, she does slip on, like, a pair of slippers, not her nice ones. Uh, but she slips on a pair of scissors, and then she says, This is why we need a neighborhood watch. And then slips out. Okay. Vim slips out into Market Square. Um, at the same time, Jarell N is leading you back, like, in the general direction of Journey's End. Mm-hmm. Because presumably that was the direction that you would yeah. wanted to head afterwards. And you get to Market Square um, at about the same time as Jarell, you see a familiar figure. No, I'm trying to be sneaky. <laughs> okay, you're trying to be sneaky, so roll I mean, me a spell. I mean, we can see how that goes. I mean, can I, like, read your thoughts, basically? <laughs> I'm like, I'm a walking, like, mental... <laughs> You see this figure that's trying to be sneaky. Yeah, but it's clearly Vim. You don't okay. see her right away, but you hear her. So also, I did get a four. <laughs> that's not great. Also, Arden, what is Arden dreaming about? Arden's probably dreaming about, like, the forest and fluffy bunnies. <laughs> so, 
Jarell, that is the uh, mental image you get from Arden's dreams. Jarell is kind of charmed. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, they might be a little concerned that it's the Feywild. Well, they might not be able to tell. Can I tell that he's picturing the Fey? It, it would be more like Arden's memories of what the Feywild is like. You actually don't quite recognize where uh, Arden is in his dreams. You're not really sure why you don't recognize it, because it feels like you should be able to. But yeah, so that's where that is. H- have I just noticed Finn, or have I noticed this other, the other guy as well? Or wait, that's probably the same guy that I... Yeah, you, you've noticed Vim, but you haven't gotten the other consciousnesses that you had been following. Uh, it seems like they probably got ahead of you. There's definitely a moment of, oh, it's Vim! And then, oh shit, it's Vim. <laughs> Vim, uh, hunched over, wearing slippers, dripping in silk. She didn't take off any of her bracelet. There's ink all over. <laughs> and she's, like, kind of jingling down this corridor, and then you see her, like, plastered, I don't know, up against, right, oh, like Pink Panther style, like up against a yeah. wall and like looking, and she looks like herself, but it's like this six foot tall woman in a in a gray ski cap, and you know what that means, but she hasn't done anything yet. So Vin is just trying to not get noticed by these two people wearing black and see where they're going. <laughs> is Vim facing away from me? I think Vim's facing away from you. Like, Vim's made it to the alley where these three figures had been standing. Um, Jarell, you can gather that uh, from Vim's thoughts that she's following someone that she saw there, but you can't, because you can't hear any more consciousnesses nearby, presumably they, the three of them, took off pretty quickly. The main thought you hear in Vin's head is just over and over again, I'm going to add this to the poster. <laughs> just, just over and over again. Jarell is just like, drags, okay, I'm going to add, drag and into an alley real quick first, just in case Vim turns around, because <laughs> I don't want her to see me and be like, what are you doing out at night? Is that a, is that, is that a friend of yours, Jarell? Uh, yes, she appears to be moonlighting as a vigilante. Again. Uh, I've... Reminds me me of my youth. (laughs) I suppose it rather would. Oh. I will leave you to to whatever it is. Do not worry about me should you want to follow. Well, I feel like... Here's my thought process, is that it doesn't sound like they're nearby like uh, Jarell is kind of thinking maybe you've also gathered at this point that um, this effect doesn't actually have that big of a radius yeah oh okay okay in that case I'm kind of worried cause last time we got out of the situation without any fighting and this time Vim is out on her own and because she's wearing pajamas, Jarell is like, um, not sure if she's armed. Probably not. Definitely not. <laughs> they don't. They don't think that you usually like carry a sword or whatever with with your silk 
jammies. Um, nope, she grabbed her hat and nothing else, and is gonna realize soon that was probably a bad call. <laughs> uh, Vim, uh, and I don't suppose you're armed at all. <laughs> uh, no, my dear, I am not. Okay, well, uh, oh, I probably shouldn't drag you into this. I am going to check on my friend. Uh, will I be alright? Is How long does this effect last exactly? Should I be worried about side effects? Uh, you're, you're doing very well. You probably will wear off in an hour or so. Okay. Okay. I can... I've got this. This is nothing... You're, you have got this. She takes both of your hands. You are doing so much better than I thought you would. Um, thank you? <laughs> Anytime. Wait, uh, I I need to go see my friend, but I, I will be back tomorrow night. Okay. I bet that, that sounds good. Good luck with whatever it is you're doing. They, uh, they quickly hug in and then kind of, like, run after, uh, well, sneakily run after, um, them. Them. Okay. Are you actually trying to be sneaky? I'm tr definitely trying to be stealthy, but also running. Go ahead and roll stealth and Vim roll perception. Because you are, like, laser focused on this. I am <laughs> super unstealthy. <laughs> 17. Uh, four. <laughs> You hear Jarell coming from like across the courtyard. As Jarell gets into earshot, like Vim sees them, looks over, and then waves towards the wall and says, "Ah, oh, good, yes. Um, you must have seen them too. Um, the 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 neighborhood watch rides again, right?" Uh, uh, sure. Uh, Vim, let's go. Vim, wait, are you armed? <laughs> Oh, um, and she kind of like pats herself, and she like <laughs> looks at her two fists and is like, "I mean, I guess I've I've been in worse situations." You've been in worse situations, or you've put yourself unnecessarily in worse situations. Semantics are a scholar's problem. Uh, well, okay, then if it's my problem, I could present some solutions, <laughs> such as we could go back to the inn, or, you know... As you are both talking in this alleyway, one end of the alley, large figure, steps out. Other end of the alley, much smaller figure, steps out. Larger one says, y'all talk a lot, don't ya? Um, can I hear them thinking? What what are what what am I picking up of their thoughts? You can hear their thoughts. The larger one, basically what you're getting is a lot of annoyance. The smaller one, you're getting a lot of curiosity. The larger one continues. We don't actually want to like hurt ya, but we do kind of want to know who y'are. To what extent... So I can read people's thoughts. Yeah. Can I, like, put any kind of mental pressure on them or, like, affect them in any way like this? Or just sense? You could just sense. So Vim was in the middle of trying to explain to Jarell why this isn't the worst idea when these <laughs> people showed up. Uh, and she, she kind of wheels around at that time and goes, 
Wait, hold on. Um, I was, I was, wait, hold on. Y'all are very sneaky. That's impressive. Uh, Candace? Yeah? I want to dig into their thoughts and I want to kind of get a sense of, do they have any suspicion that we're this related to the neighborhood watch people that they encountered? Because we were in disguise then. But from anything they over, from anything that they just overheard from us, do they have any suspicion that we're the same people? You you don't have to actually dig into their thoughts to get that. Um, you do get that they are a little suspicious of you. I want to know who they think we are, especially since Vim said something about this is why we need the neighborhood watch. Oh shit. Okay. Okay, uh, do I get any beat on who who they suspect we are? Do they have any theories? Vim, does your hood cover, like, whole ski mask? Oh, no. Think more like a beanie. Okay. So it's like a super ugly knit. It's like the first beanie unit when you learn how to do that. <laughs> it's real bad looking. Okay. So it kind um. of pushes your hair down not a good look. <laughs> so you pick up from both of these figures that they know that you are two of the four people that rolled into town a couple days ago, staying at Journey's End. Well, um, we're uh, just some travelers uh, visiting in town, and we thought we would go out for some night fun, um, but I think we're ready to head home now. Aren't we? I kind of look at Vim, hopefully. <laughs> uh, v- Vim, uh, her tail sways playfully out behind her. At this moment, you realize her pajamas have got a third leg sort of deal. So that <laughs> her tail <laughs> also has like the, a silk pajama sleeve. The, the small figure, or Jarell. You suddenly get a thought that like overshadows everything else of Whoa <laughs> That's cool Draw the grace. It is. Um you asked who we are. I think you I mean we've only been here what two days and word seems to travel quickly around here. More importantly, who are y'all? This is do y'all often do clandestine meetings with your face covered? Uh, I mean, yeah, we do. Uh, you can call me V, and my associate over there is R. I want to know what their real names are. Can I kind of poke at them and... Roll wisdom? Well, as Darrell is thinking that, yeah. Vim will say out loud, and your real names are... Uh, roll wisdom with advantage. Thirteen. Uh, they are Brennan and Yotam. The large one is named Brennan, and the smaller one is named Yotam. So they think their names. What do they say out loud? B and R. Uh, can I cast message to tell... To tell them <laughs> what I just picked up. Definitely. Their names are Brennan and Yotam. I don't know what they're doing out here, though, other than causing trouble. 
because you've gotten to know Vim a little bit, you see her her eyes, which are usually all gold with no pupil, so it can be kind of hard to tell which way she's looking. Kind of like dart at you and squint because she's never experienced the message spell before. <laughs> no, you're not crazy. I'm actually talking to you with magic. <laughs> and at that point, Vim takes a step forward, tail swaying back and forth even more. Uh, and that shit-eating grin returns to her face. Vim, don't make this worse! <laughs> and she looks at the front one, and she goes, mm, let's see. B and Y. I think... Let's see. You, you look like... I think I know where you're from based on kind of the way you hold yourself. Uh, a common name there. Um, she snaps a few times. Brennan, right? Ooh, I want to know, when she says where you are, I want to kind of, like, nudge them and see if I can sense where they're from. <laughs> uh, you get a very, very quick flash of a tribe on the plane. I'm not sure where exactly, but she grew up in some kind of tribal system on a plane. And then waits for a response from, from this person says, Well, is that right? Don't lie to me. I'll know. <laughs> the the larger figure, Brennan, takes a, like a half a step back and says, Yeah, I, I don't know how you knew that, but clearly you know who we are all of and a sudden. Why don't you do us the favor of telling who y'are? So, Brennan, you want to know who we are? You... Um, in bad faith, gave us nicknames. Next time, don't underestimate our ability to take care of ourselves. My name is Bim. Alright. I'm Jarrell. <laughs> so nice to meet you. Out here at two in the morning. The smaller one pipes up. Um, did you say his name? Brennan, yeah, yes. Bim? Brennan's a, like a bigger, like half-orc girl, and then Yo Yotam or whatever his name is is like the little, the skater boy. Yeah, the skater boy. Thank you. He's Rufio or whatever. He's yes, the Rufio. He's, yes. He's a, he's a yes. He's fantasy skater boy. Um, the Yotam steps forward, pipes up, says, "Well, I, I guess it seems like you already know. Uh, my name's Yotam, and we're not." We're actually here just to talk, even though it seems like Brennan doesn't really understand that as a concept. Oh, I understand what it's like to have your friends who <laughs> are a little more action-oriented than discussion. Um, how is your evening going, Yotam? It seems quite lovely out. Um, what brings you to the neighborhood? You know, it is actually, we were looking for you. Yotam, <laughs> Brennan says. This seems an awfully odd hour to be making business calls. I, I mean, we just, we, we just follow orders. Especially if you don't know who we are. It seems very strange that you'd be seeking out strangers without any sense of who they are or what they look like at two in the morning. What kind of business call is this? I, yeah, I, I mean... I want to read his brain, like, where is he going with this? Like, is he, were they actually looking for us, or is he just randomly saying this? Uh, no, you, 
listening to his thoughts as he is stuttering to try and figure out what he's actually going to say um, is like he and Brennan both were given orders to uh, or were told by someone to like poke around at the new people in town for a possible connection to the air quotes neighborhood crime watch uh, because it was a coincidence too coincidental mm. for whoever uh, gave them this order to not investigate and as Yotam is stuttering Brennan is like Yotam just stop you're embarrassing yourself indeed though running one's mouth is not quite as embarrassing as being caught shaking down some innocent fellow for coins yes yes we know about that too your names were easy enough to find out, so of course we know, even in our short time here, about your orders that you follow. I hope that is not the kind of business you're up to tonight. Jarell's entire soul just, like, crumbled into ash and blew away. <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> Actually, the, the thought that you get from both of them is... Like, they think Vim is blowing smoke. Real hardcore. Um, no! <laughs> you can't sense their thoughts! <laughs> you get specifically the sense that they are both just very nonplussed at being caught and accused of shaking people down for money. Can I roll, like, a deception check or something to make it seem like... I'm a little bit more on the up and up with this bullshit I'm making up. Uh, yeah, roll deception or yeah. your choice, deception or intimidation. If you're trying to just like craft a lie or if you're trying to just force this on them. I don't think I'm intimidating anyone in my pajamas. So I'm going to go with uh, deception. Okay. Which I get a... 12 on. Um, Yotam is, like, very intimidated that suddenly Vim seems like she is far more powerful than they had originally thought, and Yotam's sense is like, we've got the information we need, let's get out of here. And you could see him in the dark, making, like, big eye saucers at Brennan across the alley, and, like, trying to clandestinely motion over his shoulder and like the let's get out of here okay i i want to push really hard on them and see if i can tell kind of like get an image of who they work for and can i roll can i take advantage if i say something like you seem a little flustered uh are you late for an appointment yeah go ahead and roll wisdom 20 not a nat just regular so you'll get an image at the same time Brennan is talking to Vim. And Brennan says, uh, Well, if you know so much, you clearly know that this is not the first time we've shaken people down. It's kind of like our job. That sounds like it must be an intensely fulfilling career. 
you know, compared to what I was doing, it actually is, if you must know. But what we really came here to ask you is if you are working for yourselves or if you are working for someone. And while Brennan is saying this, Jarell, you get a flash in your mind of a face of a tiefling with a very distinctive set of horns that is also like bluish purple colored. But you have no frame of reference for like this could possibly be, so it like doesn't make any sense to you. And it's at that point you hear the tail end of Brennan's question to them of do you work are you here on your own behalf or do you work for someone? We don't parade around town with our faces hidden wearing cloaks and shaking down people. I think a more important question is who do you work for and and why would you be running around perpetrating crimes in the city? I I feel no obligation to tell you much more about myself. She says, well, that is for us to know and you to maybe find out if you really, really want to. I'll take a hard pass on that, but maybe the neighborhood watch will catch up to them. Roll both of you roll perception real quick. I got 12. Oh, I actually got a six. I need both of you to make a dexterity saving throw. 14. 16. So you catch the end of the spell incantation as you are finished speaking and white sinewy web suddenly springs from either side of the alley crisscrossing at both of y'all's feet but through some fancy footwork oh wait you need to do that at disadvantage i'm sorry still 14 (laughs) this time i got the 14 okay we're in sync. It's like someone's telling me their, their information from their mind. <laughs> so as... Vim avoids as, it because she is actively and dramatically walking forward as she uh, <laughs> talks to these people. You, do, you, did, you did avoid it. So Jarell does some fancy footwork. Vim just walks so confidently, the webs are like shooting through between her legs and around her feet and just missing. Um, But by the time that you've successfully avoided this spell, you know it is now, both of the figures have disappeared down or around the corner of the alley. I have a bad feeling about this. They have some kind of deal going with our hosts, I'm certain. What makes you think that? Well, the first day we arrived, they were, uh, they came in and were given a money or something. Oh, oh, is that them? Oh my gosh. Oh, yes. So you think, I just thought those were the people from the alleyway the day before, but... Oh, they're also that, yes. <laughs> Wait, hold on. So, but, so they're the other... Oh, they're that, um, half-elf and the orc staying at Longsaddle. Nope. That's another inn I stayed at one time. I'm at Journey's End. Yes, you are. 
And <laughs> roll uh, intelligence real quick, both of you. 13. 23. Okay. Um, you remember Jarrell, they have never said that they are staying at Journey's End. Yeah, and you uh, you haven't seen them come to Journey's End since that very first day. I don't believe they're guests at Journey's End, just that they have some, they or their their leader, who I described the tiefling that I saw to them. Okay. As far as I can tell, seems to be some sort of blue tiefling with blah blah horns. With a very distinct distinctive set of horns that kind of like come out of their forehead first and then curl back around and then Jarell is totally gesturing with their hands over their own head as they kind of explain this to Bim <laughs> wait hold on Jarell we need to stop what we're talking about immediately and um, do those hand motions again I need to know exactly what their horns look like Jarrell does the hand motions again, kind of like making their hands kind of big at the point where the horns are wide and then like kind of as though they've they've got horns and are kind of just running their hands along them. And then you see some of the color drain out of Vim's face, uh, which means I guess they turn like a slightly lighter shade of red for a moment. And then Vim goes, okay, this is very important. One more time. (laughs) Jarrell is getting a little annoyed and it does it a little like more exaggerated and slowly like what is this a game of charades they looked sort of like this you know and blue skin and sort of angular and you know swoopy horns mm, yeah swoopy horns let's uh, and somehow Vim looks more frustrated than Jarrell looks right now and she kind of like massages her temples for a moment before sighing deeply and saying Let's 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 just keep on thinking this is a game of charades for now. In any case, why don't we take this conversation inside? <laughs> so Sherelle, you can still read Bim's thoughts. Oh no! Uh, what's what's she thinking? <laughs> I mean, it seems pretty clear to Jarrell, just without even reading her thoughts, that this is someone he's had like some kind of negative run-in with. Like in Bim's thoughts, you do not see the face of the person whose face you saw, this tiefling. Mm -hmm. Instead, you see an image of a man. He is a tiefling. He has raw, umber-colored skin and tall horns. And he's shit-eating grin, looking at Ben. It's a very familiar expression you've seen her make before. And he's handing her a crudely drawn picture. And it is a picture of the tiefling Jarrell saw. Oh, yes. In the picture. That's correct. I mean... The what now? Uh, nothing. We're playing charades, not Pictionary. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little excited. <laughs> mm. Why don't we take this conversation inside? I'd hate for them to come back with friends or run across some anyone. Literally anyone. Yes, all this adventuring seems to be giving you the favor. So there's there's a web still across this alley. So it's a little bit of a yakety sax as you are both trying to get out of this alley. Oh yeah, Vim takes off her nice slippers. Or they're not her super nice slippers, but she takes them off and does it barefoot. Okay. <laughs> she doesn't want to get them sticky. Does Jarell do anything special to get... I'm not going to make you guys roll because, you know, you'll eventually get through. 
No, they're kind of like, they usually, I think, wear sort of like slippers and leggings. Like, not slippers, but something kind of similar in structure and function to ballet flats, probably. <laughs> and leggings, and so they're kind of like picking up their longer tunic and robes very gingerly. And sort of. <laughs> they're kind of short, too, so they're like, well, they're very short, and so they had to pick up really high to probably step over some of this. You both make it back to the inn. It's not super far back to the inn. Um, you're, Jarell, you're finally feeling like the tail end of the spell wearing off. Um, the like last mental image you get as the spell wears off is uh, Arden's fey garden filled with fluffy animals. So some of the fluffy animals may also be animals that are native to the Feywild, and so only Arden would think of them as fluffy, and thus they're, like, things that are normally monsters, but fluffified in Arden's mind. There's, so there's this dog that's got, like, two tails and glowing red eyes, and instead of being, like, long and sleek, it's, like, lying down as really fluffy with, like, a husky mane. Um, except it's like a really dark, unsettling blue-purple. I feel like having like peeked at people's dreams all, all night, Jarrell is more convinced than ever that like sleep might be an illness. Like, <laughs> there's something very weird about it, and they're not entirely sure it's as healthy as everyone says. As we get to Journey's end, Vim starts to kind of rub out her eyes a little bit. And, and goes, ah, um, Jarrell, this was fun. I'm glad you could join me in the um, second weekly, the bi-weekly meeting of the Knights. Oh, wait, the Neighborhood Watch. Um, yep, I already wrote it on the poster, so it's very important the name doesn't change. Um, we, should, we, we should discuss this more in the morning and let the rest of the group know for now, I think. I need to take a rest. Oh, uh, all right. Well, that's that's quite all right. I have lots of notes to take. Good night, Vim. Good night. Please don't pick any more fights tonight, at least. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do. Um, Andorel, mm. I think you're way more cut out for this than you think you are. Um, I don't really consider this, like, a sort of a career aspiration. I don't think that's as comforting as you think it is. <laughs> but thank you, I suppose. I will accept that in the spirit in which it was intended. <laughs> well, great. <laughs> Good night, Jarrell. So Vim goes to sleep. Jarrell spends the rest of the night presumably taking notes and writing all of this down. Mm-hmm. Um, the morning dawns. Arden wakes up very, very rested. You had really pleasant dreams last night. Um, Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Cyrus, you are awakened by Theo gently shaking you awake and saying that like you should probably get back to the inn where you're staying. Oh, Theo... That was the best sleep I have had in years. Thank you. Um, I'm very glad to uh, hear it. Um, come back and see. That was my next question. I would be delighted to see you again, if that's okay. 
of course, all you have to do is come and ask for me. And, um, you know, uh, <laughs> Cyrus is, is not making eye contact <clears throat> about mm-hmm. what we did. I would appreciate your discretion. I have an image to maintain. All of our clients are given the utmost discretion. Do not worry. <clears throat> and I walk away. Any need for discretion? Didn't we, like, take him and leave him there? Yeah, you took him and left him there, but you have no idea what was actually done there. I, it's a brothel. I think we know what was actually done there. <laughs> Cyrus leaves a five silver tip for Theo and okay. throws on his smock and walks away with a smirk. Okay. Uh, into Journey's End, Cyrus walks with a smirk. Not even nonplussed doing the walk of shame? Oh, I'm just strutting my stuff right now. There is no walk of shame for Cyrus. So presumably everyone eventually filters down to the common room of the inn. It's more like a a walk of (laughs) self-congratulations. Make eye contact with everyone I see. Mm. (gasps) (laughs) It's like Spider-Man 3. Yes! Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> when uh, Jarell comes down, Yelchin has coffee ready for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and anyone else? I'll take a cup, Yelchin. Thank you, I'll pass. Would you like any other drink this morning, sir? Do you have any juices or... Uh, yeah, we have uh, orange juice and... Um, tea? That's not a juice. Um, we have orange juice and apple juice. I'll go with orange juice, thank you. There, There's also, uh, like, fresh croissants that are ready, and also very, very good. Okay. Fantasy waffle maker. As long as they're really good, as long as they're really good, Arden will, will be happy with that. See, waffles are in the shape of Mithrin. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a little steeple in the middle, and there's the market square. That's like the well where you let the syrup go. And it like amazing goes down the little waffle streets. <laughs> Yelchin does uh, specials of pancake art where he'll like do your portrait in pancake batter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Yelchin. That is pure magic, Yelchin. Never change. <laughs> well, thank you. You are too kind. Vim yep. is hungrily or greedily slurping down uh, all the coffee Johan will bring her. She's still up, or all the coffee Yelchin will bring to her. She's still up early, uh, but is kept powered along by the coffee. She kind of looks at Arden and says, Well, you know, um, coffee is kind of like a juice, like a bean juice, if you think about it. Tea is similar. I had some bean juice last night, too. <laughs> I'll take an extra dose this morning, Yelchin. Yelchin slides you a coffee. <laughs> well, Cyrus, you look better rested than Ben. Thank you. probably looks pretty tired still, I would assume. Oh, she's wearing the same clothes. She, like, got back to the Vardo, passed out, woke up when the sun rose, because that's when she gets up, stumbled into the, um like guest center or the like the breakfast nook that wherever they serve the continental breakfast 
Yeah, it's just the common room. And so Yelchin has, like, a little bar set up of breakfast foods on the bar. Yeah, she's barefoot. She's wearing... She's still wearing her horrible, horrible hat. <laughs> Vim, you look like a hot mess. <laughs> as long as I'm hot, thank you. How was your evening, Cyrus? Did you have a good time? <laughs> I had the greatest time. Do you want to hear details? Not particularly, but I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. I do. <laughs> right, I have urgent business literally everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> it's right, we'll have to, um... How was your night art? <laughs> mm, I slept. A lot. Um, that being said, it's already getting on in the morning. Maybe we should send two of you over to check on the... Check on uh, our priestess's belongings. Oh, right, right. We were supposed to do that yesterday, but got a bit sidetracked. I apologize for that. What's a little mauling between friends? Well, I'm certainly down for adventure, um, but <clears throat> if anyone else wants to go with me or go instead, I could be persuaded to stay here with Vim. I do have a uh, potential training I'd like to do, too. Oh, yes. I was up all night preparing for it. That's why I look like this. Splendid. However, I was up so late that I do not think I should be running a training this morning. Perhaps we reconvene in the evening. I will have the practice swords ready. <laughs> Well, Cyrus, I suppose it's you and me. <laughs> well, Vim, did you want to come with us, or...? Oh, um, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. She takes another sip of coffee. Yelchid refills your coffee mug. Mm, she's drinking it while he's pouring it in. <laughs> it's very hot. <laughs> he, like, goes behind the counter, pours, um, like, pulls it out of... Ye fantasy travel mug mm. fills it with coffee, puts a lid on top of it, and puts it in front of you. Thank you. Is there anything that you wanted to do, Arden, um, while the three of the other three go to the precinct? No, let me think on on whether there is anything in particular I want Arden doing while the three of them go to the precinct. He's probably just going to uh, go to Market Square and, and keep a watch. Okay. You do recall I think it was Yelchin when you asked him a couple sessions ago, like, where someone could go for more information about the Fae, um, and he said that there are resources at the library that would have, um, like more stuff the library at the yeah. university yeah oh yeah that's right I was asking whether there were any like local legends about it yeah and stuff. Um, and he I... maybe there yeah Arden can go there while the others are going to, to the... the precinct we will end with Cyrus Vim and Jorel heading towards the police precinct and with Arden heading over to the university, um, since you now know exactly where it is and how to get to it very quickly.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Little Realms. If you like the show and want to stay up to date, make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. You can also find us on social media, on Twitter, PodRealms, and on Tumblr at littlerealmspod.tumblr.com. We also have a website, www.littlerealms.com. May your journey be successful, and we'll see you next time. The wonderful music you hear on Little Realms is possible due to royalty-free music and content creators, such as TabletopAudio.com, Freesounds.org, and Kevin McLeod, creator of Incomputech.com. Royalty-free music licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution License 3.0.